Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. As promised in the daily financial news, we start Wednesday with the one and only Anna Kelly. Hello, Anna. How are you? Hello, I'm doing great. I just got back from a nice vacation in Florida with my son, so couldn't be better. It wasn't a vacation for the tax man. It was a business expense because you were out there looking at Airbnb properties and all that good stuff, I am sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I love to mix business and pleasure. We closed on two, popped in on renovations on the third one in Florida and had a lot of nice dinners with my son as we talked business, right? Yeah, that is, it is awesome to watch. And it's going to be fun to sort of track that over time as you bring your, as your son becomes that anchor in Florida for your Airbnb business. Uh, yeah. any, any big takeaways from the last three or four days? Um, you know, th- things are things are rapidly changing in the short term rental financing market. Um, so I've, I got two closed uh, this last week, which was nice. They actually closed on Monday. Um, but lending is definitely tightening, tightening and changing. Mm-hmm. Um, prices are still going up, although supply is, you know, kind of starting to dwindle a little bit, um, which could make them go higher. But, you know, I really enjoy short-term rentals. There's nothing like lifestyle investing, some diversification with other things that we do. Um, and I'll continue to buy more. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a really interesting conversation. I love that lifestyle investing. And again, you're doing Airbnb, like beachfront, really kind of class A, destination places. You're not just buying something in the burbs and and hoping somebody shows up. Correct. Absolutely. And part of that's because of recession resilience. So a lot of people are freaked out about buying at the hype right now. And when you buy high-end vacation rentals, you hit a recession, the values do tend to come down a little bit, but I don't care about that because I'm going to hold them a really long time, right? So similar with, with, you know, other residential property. But what's really interesting is when you hit recession, more people travel to the ocean and to rivers and to lakes and mountains that can't afford the more expensive vacations, you know, overseas, big cities, Disney tickets, that kind of thing. So they're actually a pretty good recession resilient investment if you're investing in those types of areas. And if they're higher end, Michael, Mm -hmm. you know, again, we've talked about wealth gap before, but those that are making a lot of money they're still going to vacation. They're Absolutely. still going to vacation. So it's it's a nice recession hedge that gives me a little bit of diversification. And the beauty of it is everything we're buying, Michael, we're planning to use at least a week of a year. So awesome. it pays for our family memories, pays for our vacations, has all the other tax benefits, appreciation, mortgage pay down. It's, it's really a win-win. Oh yeah. Life, lifestyle investing by Anna Kelly right there, folks. That is awesome. Well, Anna, let's, let's talk about what's going on in the world, right? You closed on two investments uh, here this week, which, oh, by the way, you need to send me your address so I can count you on the uh, race to 500. Woohoo. Woohoo. Yeah, that's right. You, you count. And oh, by the way, I just showed this morning, and since I have it in front of me, I'll grab it. We are at 474. So We'll be at 476 once I get your address. Anyways, I digress. That's awesome. <laughs> so proud of you. So yeah. awesome. And great job to your listeners to take action. Exactly. Exactly. It's all on them doing it. It's, it's so fun to watch. Uh, but I digress. What I was going with is we're in a very um, 
we're in a time in the last two weeks, like we haven't been in quite a while, right? Probably since the invasion of Iraq, uh, what was it? Operation Shield or that became- Desert what, Storm. Yeah, mm -hmm. Desert Storm, Shield the Storm, whatever it was. That was the last time I remember kind of a geopolitical event changing things, like seemingly overnight. Uh, that was, what was that? Almost 30 years ago or so. Uh, I had a father-in-law and a couple of brother-in-laws shipped over. Uh, mm -hmm. So again, it hit, it hit our family pretty hard. And um, I remember, I wasn't really investing at that time, except in the stock market, but I remember it was just different. And, you're, and you've decided to close on two large deals with geopolitical events, inflation raging, um, just lots of stuff going on. So talk about the confidence it takes to do that. And then let's talk about what's going on around that. Yeah, it really does take confidence to just continue to understand that um, economies go in cycles, even wars, you know, go in cycles and you hit some really lean times. And then typically that causes countries to kind of pull it together and start producing together again. And, you know, things start getting better. So I've really learned to have the wherewithal of a long-term investor. Mm -hmm. And it's just like what they tell you if you're in the markets, right? Stay in, stay in, stay in, never get out. Um, whether that's wise or not, you know, it just kind of depends on a lot of things going on. Um, but I know that in really difficult times, recessionary times, real estate is an amazing hedge, right? Mm -hmm. When we have mass inflation and we have the potential devaluation of the dollar, you know, talks about the U.S. losing reserve currency status if, if Russia and China kind of get together and keep pushing for that. Um, there's there's some real challenging times potentially ahead. So we want to be in things that historically are not going to lose value. And so I don't want to be in a lot of cash. You know, I want to hedge and some some other things we've talked about, like gold and silver. But real estate is really something that people always need. They always need housing. Right. And unless the government's going to take over and pay for everybody's housing and we go to communism or socialism, Right now, we still need to provide housing um, as individuals. So I'm very confident in my money being in housing. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, like we said, I'm not all in in vacation rentals because there's some risk there, right? We hit a bad recession. Gas goes to seven bucks a gallon. People aren't necessarily going to drive to the beach or drive to the Smokies. But most people, the human psyche, when times are tough, we still want to get away. We still want to have memories with our families. And so recessions historically have proven that people will still vacation. So I'm just diversifying and hedging a little bit by being in some of these properties. And if things get really bad here, I'll go live in my properties and enjoy, you know, being on, on the ocean or being in the mountain. And so I'm, I'm yeah. still bullish on real estate overall, but I'm certainly not blinded or without concern as to the geopolitical issues, what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, how that could impact us, you know, yeah. as well. Yeah, the, the thing that it's, I don't, I, I hope it doesn't sound crass, but I think some people may take it that way, but I'll say it anyway. Real estate investing is a decade, decades, right? It's, it's a, for me, that's long-term, right? And these horrible events, wars, like the one my family went through personally 30 years ago or so, uh, and the one that's going on now in, in, in Ukraine. Um, when you look, when you step back or you zoom out, there are moments in time. Now, that's not to belittle the true tragedy and humanitarian oh. stuff going on. But what you right. look at your investing career, um, you know, sometimes it helps to zoom out. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's that's that's what I hear you doing. And I'm sure on these deals that closed Monday, 
I'm going to guess you got 30 year debt. I'm guessing. I did. And that was part of why I said, you know, I've, I've got to keep trucking with these. And, and these loans were, were a challenge. They were more difficult than other things I've, I've done because the lenders are also very, very nervous. Right. Um, but yes, 30 year fixed and, and my rates were at 4.5. I got hit between the time I could lock and when rates went up, but 4.5 historically for 30 year fixed <laughs> financing, that's all paid by, you know, the people vacationing there. It was really a no-brainer. And, and like you said, you have to kind of step back and look over the long term. Americans are really short-sighted when it comes to investing. Um, you know, markets start to rumble, everyone panics and wants to sell, which is like the worst time that you can do it, right? Mm -hmm. Same with real estate. Oh my goodness, the economy is going to collapse. We need to sell. The last thing I want to do is sell because of that view to the long term of, it, you know, if everything got really, really bad, you know, in the United States um, economically, where would I want my money? I don't want it in the stock market right now. Um, I don't want it in a lot of cash right now, although some cash is, you know, a wise thing to do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to your point, my, my heart breaks for the Ukrainian people and even for the Russian people that don't want what Putin's doing. I've got mm -hmm. quite a few friends over there because I've been there a couple of times. Me too. Um, and so, you know, my heart just says, how can I help this today? As an investor who has, you know, worked hard to support our families and we want to preserve that, we want to continue to provide good housing, we have to look at the financial impacts, not because we think that's the most important. Obviously, lives are at stake, and I think that's the most important. But I also have an obligation to my family and to my investors to say, when everything else is literally raging around us, how do we make wise economic decisions, see what kind of risks are there that we didn't anticipate before, and what do we do really to go into preservation of capital mode? So for me, I'm not really thinking about huge upside right now or huge cash flow right now. I'm saying, let's, let's go into preservation of capital mode, preserve everything that we can. It's all we can really do to control you know, what we, what we can. Um, and we've got to have the view to the long term and try to take the emotions out of that investing decision, mm -hmm. even while your heart grieves for what's happening in the world. Yeah. So there's two things staring at us in the very, very short term. Uh, one is inflation. And then the second is a Fed rate decision, uh, middle of March. I'll go either direction. We'll hit them both. But which one do you want to hit first? You know, I, I think I think inflation obviously is is the big problem. And the question is, is this war between Russia and Ukraine going to draw the United States in, in even further um, in terms of us having to spend more money to help defend Ukraine, for example, potentially send troops? And then what is what happens to the supply chain issues? So that's what you know everybody's just starting to talk about. But when you look at Russia and you look at Ukraine, um, they provide the, a, a ton of oil, petroleum, wheat, and corn as well as minerals that are needed to make a lot of different things, batteries, computer components, things like that. And so if we come in hard with sanctions, which I agree that we should do, we have to realize that that, that is gonna squeeze our supply chain. And even if oil isn't directly from Russia, and we still are buying some Russia from oil, even in the midst of this um, oil from Russia, um, they, they supply so much to the rest of Europe, right? And so if gas and oil are squeezed internationally, it's going to do the same thing here. So I think, Michael, that's only going to make inflation much worse for us than where we already were. And what's interesting to me is now, how does the Fed react, right? There, some in the market are saying, oh, because of the war, the Fed has to not raise rates as much. So 
that the market's kind of gone up hoping that the Fed will kind of maybe only come out with a quarter point raise instead of, you know, half a point. I think only like 37% of economists think he's going to go up 50 basis points. It's 10% as of this morning. It's something I've been tracking because I called it for six months that the first move has to be a half. It got a high as 99%, now sits at 10%. It is right. absolutely the wrong move to do a quarter point, even in today what's going on. Right. Because what people don't think about is the supply chain issues are going to get worse, which makes the, the supply side, we cannot, the Fed cannot control the supply side. So if, if the supply side makes costs even higher, we're going to have runaway inflation, which means the Fed needs to react even more aggressively, I think, Me than too. they did before the war. Now, what does that mean for the fallout afterwards, recession, stagflation? We don't know. But I don't see how the Fed cannot come out with a half a point. I would still bet money that they would have to do that. Yeah. So, so let's talk about. So, I'll talk about inflation first. There's a couple of things going on right now. And again, I've been studying the consumer. And the beauty about studying the consumer and someone who has traveled the world globally for yeah. decades. I've been in Russia. I've been in China. I've been to all these, you know, lots of places. And the first thing you you need to realize is people, generally speaking, are the same around the country. People in Russia want better things for their kids. They want safety for their kids. It, it is amazing how similar people are. Yes. Um, you need, we need to, I don't think a lot of people appreciate that. We, we put some, we put a country, call it Russia, and we call them bad. No, it's one guy and maybe, you know, 5% of the country. Most of the country wants the same things we want. So we, yeah. need, we need to appreciate that. But what's happening in Russia right now is true economic collapse. Uh, they are now seeing hyperinflation. Their currency has gone down over 50% in a 48 or 72 hour period. Uh, they can't get this. They can't get that. It is, Anna, and my fear is within two weeks, we will have a humanitarian issue in Russia, right? Yes. Food, all, all medical, yes. all of these things are going to happen. And I'm, we already have it in Ukraine. My fear, again, I will say it, is it will happen in Russia, because right. they've been they've been um, basically frozen out like North Korea. If you want to see what could happen to Russia, if you've ever seen any pictures about North Korea, it's yeah, it could go that way. And Russia yeah. is obviously much much bigger than North Korea. So yeah. I don't I don't have it. I I don't feel I don't. It's the the Russian citizens are suffering right now, and yes. uh, my hope obviously is that they get upset with that, and then they you know they. The guy at the top goes away. Yeah, he, yeah. he goes away somehow. But again, inflation is hyperinflation is coming to Russia. Then you talk about like I've done research in the last 48 hours. Finland, for example. I don't know if you know this, but Finland, 94% of the oil that they use comes from Russia. Yes. Interesting, right? What happens? And if Putin's threatening Finland and Sweden. If yeah, you do NATO, we we come after you next, right? Yeah. It's, it's not good. So again, I think inflation is a worldwide phenomenon. It is going to come here. My last research about the US, is, again, this is December data. My hope is it's much, much lower, if not zero today. But in December, we were still buying 90,000 barrels a day from Russia, the US. Not okay. I mean, right. anyways. Right. So inflation is going to get worse. And, yes. the, and the, Fed, the Fed has a moment the Fed needs to rip the Band-Aid off. We need to suffer pain in risk assets. If they come out and wimp out and do a quarter, it's just delaying pain. 
and interest will come due. It will be worse. They will have to Paul Volcker it at some point, and we are not going to enjoy that. Right. I mean, he's, and then, oh, by the way, what is happening right now? People are rushing to the dollar, rushing, <laughs> rushing, 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 rushing to the dollar. And they have a $9 trillion, $9.1 trillion balance sheet. Anna, they could sell half of that tomorrow, and we wouldn't be talking about a $9 trillion. And they're talking about delaying selling. The Fed is screwing up on so many levels. Yeah. We are going to feel pain, probably like we haven't felt in our adult life once the bill comes due. And I'm yeah. not very excited about it. I agree. So, so many things there to unpack. I feel like it could be like five shows today, right? But, you know, I, I was in Russia in 98 and I was in Russia in 2000. Mm-hmm. And ni- in the late 90s in Russia, literally it, everything was collapsing. People were yep. in line for food. And so although they have communism and they provide housing, people are literally lined up just to get bread and food, you know, yep. in Russia. And one of the things that amazed me when I was there was you land in Moscow and you think, wow, this is like the most amazing, rich, beautiful, powerful place. But nobody that's really Russian lives there. Very few, right? Mm-hmm. You get on the subway and you go out to where all the people really live and their little huts and their mass housing complexes with hardly a trickle of water, hardly any heat. The people live in severe poverty already. And mm-hmm. they're 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 not educated even on their own system because they're state-controlled media, right? So they only see so much. And I read about how one of these soldiers, it was heartbreaking, sent the text to his mom's like, we thought we were here and they were going to welcome us and we were bringing them back into Russia, you know, or a training exercise. They didn't even know they were there to Mm -hmm. kill people, you know, so I I know because I've been there and I've talked to a lot of Russians that their history is very limited and their news is very limited. And the poor people, to your point, are going to suffer tremendously in Russia because of an evil dictator leader, you know, Mm -hmm. and And that's very heartbreaking. But the other thing, you know, bringing it back to economics, and again, this isn't our, again, it's hard to talk about even because I care so much about the people and I know you do too. But when we talk about what does that going to mean to the United States? um, And I've done more and more research since the last time we talked, we rely on both China and Russia who are creating an alliance. Like we're in this together. They want Taiwan next and they're backing Russia, right? If, if China takes Taiwan, which they've, they've talked about, it's been on the news, right? Whether it happens soon or not, but let's say we're too weak on Russia, China goes after Taiwan. China alone will have 50% of the world's gross domestic product, 50%. We already rely on, on both Russia and China for 90% of our, uh, our pharmaceuticals. 90% of our computer chips and technology, 90, over 90% of the minerals that we need to make a lot of these different things. And that doesn't even include petroleum and oil. So as I look back and I realize the United States has basically exported the components and the manufacturing of most of the things that we are the consumers of. And those things are primarily exported to countries right now that are Um, autocratic. They're not for freedom. Russia, China, let's say. And again, I'm not picking on the Chinese people or the Russian people, Mm -hmm. but um, they have been very strategic in making us basically a cold economic financial war to make the United States more and more and more dependent on them for the goods that we need here. 
So unless America starts to invest huge in infrastructure and manufacturing and technology and producing our own uh, energy, right? Open up the pipeline, open up the, the Permian Basin full of oil. Unless we start doing all this stuff, we're gonna be hurt even more economically than we are today because if China and Russia cut off our supply of almost everything we need and our GDP is extremely low, inflation's extremely high, I, I can see years and years and years of pain ahead for us, Michael, as a U.S. economy that I never thought I would see in my lifetime and that I never really understood as well as I do today. Yeah, there's definitely some things we have to watch uh, for sure. I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm hoping for, because again, I see the same kind of Russia-China thing. My hope, my true hope is China sees what's going on in Russia today, and they say something like, I want none of that. The world has frozen out Russia. In China, yes, they make lots of stuff, but that means they need lots of people to buy. Right. So my thinking is they're looking at this going, ooh, that would suck. I would not want that to happen to me. So hopefully what they're seeing going on, and again, maybe it's wishful thinking, but in the end, Otto, we're going to stop this one here because I'm depressed. We're going to have a much funner conversation in episode number two. Anna, how can people find you? You can find me on social media, Anna Kelly, REI Mom. I will say this, keep buying real estate. Yeah. Real estate does well in all ups and all downs. So, um, but yes, you can find me on social. You can find me here every week on One Rental at a Time. And you can find me at my website at reimom.com. Thanks, Anna. Thanks.